This podcast is supported by Evernorth Health Services. Coming up. I was loyal to that product. On the whole story. I blame Johnson and Johnson baby powder. We have never confirmed a finding of asbestos in any product that has been sold. Do you consider it uh, an abuse of bankruptcy law? I do. Johnson & Johnson did? I definitely do. Welcome to The Whole Story. I'm Anderson Cooper. Tonight, CNN Chief Investigative Correspondent Pamela Brown brings us the story of three women in legal battles with one of the largest healthcare companies in the world over a commonly used household item they say is responsible for causing their cancers. That product is Johnson & Johnson talcum baby powder. For more than a century, the name Johnson & Johnson was synonymous with baby powder. The lawsuits from these women claim the powder contained asbestos. And these are just three out of tens of thousands of lawsuits Johnson & Johnson is facing over this product, which was discontinued in the U.S. and Canada in 2020. Now, Johnson & Johnson staunchly denies these claims, and you'll hear from them directly in this hour about their methodology and science. Pamela Brown will also show just how this corporation is protecting its brand and how it could become a roadmap for other corporations facing mass litigation. Shaken. Baby powder on trial. Anyone tells you you have cancer, I don't care who you are, you're in shock. When the doctor came out when, uh, to give me the results, this really blindsided me. You have ovarian cancer. Like, what? You know, in my mind, I was trying to connect dots. Like, how could I have gotten this? Like, you know, cancer just don't automatically just pop up. Cancer didn't run in my family. And I remember that I heard this, heard this commercial or whatever it was, and it was saying, do you have ovarian cancer? This is a legal alert for women diagnosed with ovarian cancer. If you or someone you love use Johnson & Johnson baby powder products, call for your free legal consultation. That's it talked about using baby powder. If you ever use Johnson & Johnson baby powder, you might want to call this number. And I was thinking, oh my God, like I grew up on Johnson & Johnson. I was loyal to that product. I trusted that it would never bring me harm. Johnson & Johnson, the most trusted name in surgical dressing. Pure, gentle Johnson's baby powder at a baby price. When you think of America, one of the key institutions that comes to mind is Johnson & Johnson. It is interwoven in our daily lives. Johnson & Johnson has always hoped and presented itself as a company that, you know, cares for your family and that puts your family's safety first. It is extremely profitable, worth more than $400 billion. There's multiple locations around the world, a huge range of products. There's Tylenol and Motrin, Band-Aid, of course, um, Aveeno, Neutrogena, products that you would use in your home and for your family. But it's much bigger than that. I mean, it has a, an entire division devoted to medical devices. It has a pharmaceutical division. In fact, it created a COVID-19 vaccine. The story actually starts, though, in 1861. Robert Wood Johnson is watching his two older brothers go off to fight in the Civil War. Many people are dying from injuries that probably could be treated. So he starts to develop an interest in healthcare. 
1886. He starts Johnson & Johnson with his brothers. Originally, they sold like the precursor to Band-Aid. And they started hearing from customers that while the adhesive worked, it also could be irritating in some way. And so a scientist at the company started to send people talc, which is, you know, a very soft mineral um, that can be soothing on the skin. And then Johnson & Johnson was like, we see an opportunity here. Johnson & Johnson starts producing Johnson's baby powder in 1894. It quickly becomes one of their most iconic products. It kicks off an enormous business for Johnson & Johnson. It was all over the place. I mean, you saw it in cartoons, you saw it in television shows. The talcum powder is not to play with. Oh. That was me. That was all my family. Growing up, my mother used Johnson & Johnson baby powder on all of her children, which is me included. Well, how did you ever get turned on to Johnson & Johnson baby powder? Probably from the hospitals. When you have a baby at the hospital, they usually yeah. give you like a package and there's baby powder in it. Baby yeah, there powder is. and baby oil yeah. and baby wash. Like samples and stuff? Yeah. yeah. So you're thinking that the hospital trusts us must, you know, there must not be anything wrong with it and you right. use it. Say hi. That's what she does. You would think it was created for babies, but Johnson & Johnson keeps looking for new market segments for this product. And so they start looking to adult women. And, and it's evident in a lot of the advertising that you see for, for baby powder. I look like a squirrel. Who am I? I have no idea. But you'll feel a lot better if you just use some baby powder. If I had plans to go out that night or whatever, you know, that would always be part of the routine. Just to feel clean, to feel fresh, to feel dry. And then um, as a young adult, when I started having my own children, I'd always buy me Johnson & Johnson baby powder. Whether it was a little bottle or, you know, the big bottle, I always had it. It just was that comfort, that trust. But then these allegations started coming out that that baby powder contained asbestos. We know that asbestos is a carcinogen. It has these tiny dagger-like fibers that penetrate very deeply into human tissue. But Johnson & Johnson says flat out, there is no asbestos in its baby powder and that its baby powder does not cause cancer. When I was notified that I had cancer, I just thought, how weird is this? And I, I spoke to a paralegal. They had the testing done on the tissues of my cancer, and it came back positive for asbestos. I was like, oh my God, like it's there. That connected me. I use that product all my life since an infant. And it just blew me away. It was astounding. Like, I just felt so violated. Like, how dare you?
Johnson Johnson baby powder was very well known in Turkey when I was little. And at the time, the American brands were very trusted and considered as the best products that you can use because Americans would not put anything on the shelves that would harm their children and their people. My baby powder usage started very early on. It was a very important part of my dancing routine. Every class, every recital, I used baby powder heavily. A lot of dancers use baby powder. It's for putting on the ground and making sure that our soles are slippery and we can turn easily. I really was in love with dance. And then cancer hit and dancing is done. I got diagnosed with mesothelioma when I was 40 years old. Mesothelioma is a very rare form of cancer. It's outside of your internal organs. And the way I was diagnosed was um, more of a coincidence. I had um, inguinal hernia and I wanted to have a surgery. My surgeon saw the tumors on my abdominal wall. The tumors were so small, they don't grow in size, they grow in numbers. And then it was almost creating a wall on top of my abdominal wall. If I hadn't had surgery, I would have died in three months. It was going that fast. Mesothelioma is caused by asbestos, and I had no exposure to asbestos other than the baby powder of Johnson & Johnson. And I was in disbelief that it was happening to me because of J&J. And I wanted to sue them. I've been working on talc powder cases involving Johnson & Johnson since late 2016. There are tens of thousands of people who have cases pending. At the core of these lawsuits against Johnson & Johnson is the allegation that there was asbestos in Johnson's baby powder. What we hear from Johnson & Johnson's corporate representatives is similar to what we hear in Johnson & Johnson's public statements. And they have testified to juries that there was never asbestos in Johnson's baby powder. Elif's case was filed back in 2017. She gave days of deposition testimony. The first deposition, I was in the hospital. I just came out of ICU. How are you feeling today? Quite tired, frustrated, and sick. <laughs> it was hours. Back on the record at 1419. And there were a room full of lawyers It was nerve-wracking. When you were using the baby powder for uh, dance, um, did you ever use any generic powders? No. Johnson & Johnson was my go-to brand. They were asking 
questions in a way that like trying to find other reasons for mesothelioma, for asbestos exposure, whatnot. And they uh, came in again into my house. For that remaining period where you were not performing, were you in the back Backstage. area? Yes. And is that the same area where the powder had been applied to yes. you and the other girls as well? Yes. That was the most fun area. We used to just put the powder in each other's faces and play around and wait for our turns. I had nothing to hide. All I did was to trust a brand and, and used it. That was it. That's all the questions I have. Okay. Thank, Thank you. Johnson's baby powder is talc and a fragrance. Talc is a mineral, and in the places that it's mined, there's often asbestos alongside it. And so, you know, it's not that anyone is putting asbestos into the talc, it's that it can be there in very small amounts. The question is whether or not Johnson & Johnson knew that its products might have contained asbestos and should have warned consumers of the risk. And once we got the J&J &J documents, it really blew the roof off the whole situation. The documents show that the company knew that there was asbestos in Johnson's baby powder going back to the 1950s. And specifically, there was some testing done by a, a group called Battelle. And we have one document showing in 1958 that Battelle found in Johnson's baby powder tremolite. And we have Battelle describing the tremolite as fibrous, which is asbestos. Here's a document, April 15th, 1969. Johnson & Johnson is talking about the dangers of needle-like tremolite. And it says that we should consult the law department on that question. Johnson & Johnson is at the center of this. And so it is essential to hear from this lawyer who has been defending Johnson & Johnson in court. The first thing that is most important for me that people know about these cases is that they are doing an enormous disservice to a very important issue of women's health. What we can say with 100% certainty is that we have never confirmed a finding of asbestos in any product that has been sold, and that decades of scientific testing and study have shown that our talc is safe and does not cause cancer. So one of the plaintiff's attorneys that we interviewed brought up this document. This is from the Battelle Memorial Institute. I'm gonna hand this to you and get your reaction. So there are a number of these Battelle reports, and plaintiffs often point to these findings of tremolite in an effort to suggest that they mean asbestos, but we only have to look at Battelle's published scientific articles to know that these reports do not show asbestos. I want to show you this other document that I read. It says, quote, it is not inconceivable that we could be involved in litigation. This is another document that plaintiffs like to use in litigation. I think it shows an important point of how Johnson & Johnson was carefully studying and selecting its minds. The subject is alternate domestic talc source, 
Project 101. Project 101 was our effort to qualify new talc mines. And this document refers to the Grantham talc mine, which is a talc mine that we never wound up using. There really is a mountain of material that you could pull conclusions from. Juries certainly are confronted with quite a lot of science in these cases. By the way, where did you get this asbestos from that's in these pictures? From Johnson & Johnson baby powder. All right. The plaintiff's attorneys are calling experts that often will say there has been evidence of asbestos found in samples of Johnson & Johnson baby powder. You have an opinion with reasonable scientific certainty as to whether the talc in those mines contains asbestos. I do. What's their opinion? That it does. So bottom line, you're saying all those experts, they're all wrong. Well, we know from real scientific evidence outside of the courtroom that Johnson's baby powder does not cause cancer and does not contain asbestos. So we have to question the opinions that are being given inside the courtroom that are inconsistent with the data. So of the cases that have actually gone to trial, how many have Johnson & Johnson won? Over the course of 10 years, 38 of them actually made it to a verdict. And of those, Johnson & Johnson either in front of a jury or on appeal won the overwhelming majority of them. But when juries have decided in favor of the plaintiffs or the women, the amount of money that they have awarded them has been pretty substantial. There's a 2018 verdict, and this was a massive win for plaintiffs. A record $4.7 billion jury award to 22 women and their families. They claimed asbestos in Johnson & Johnson talcum powder contributed to their ovarian cancer. This is the biggest single verdict in such a case so far. Then the FDA comes out and says it tested two lots of Johnson & Johnson talc-based baby powder, and it found in one sample a positive test for asbestos. This is what the FDA found. Microscopic fibers of asbestos in Johnson's baby powder. Johnson & Johnson at this point immediately recalls 33,000 bottles of the product but they cast doubt on the FDA's mode of research. J&J has disputed those results. Why? Johnson & Johnson did 155 additional tests, both on the bottle, on the retained lots, on the lot that came before, on the lot that came after, and was able to conclude with statistical certainty that that finding was not a finding from the actual bottle, but was a result of contamination. Johnson & Johnson claims that somehow there was floating asbestos fibers that were just floating around the laboratory, and that those fibers landed in the Johnson's baby powder, but somehow avoided the laboratory blanks that showed no asbestos. So you're saying the FDA was wrong? We dispute the FDA's findings based on 155 tests that show that sample was contaminated. After Elif had committed so much to the case, so much of her time, so much of her energy. Are you okay to continue? Yes. Okay. When the case was just getting to the point to come up for trial, J&J just exited the jury system and went over to bankruptcy and stopped her case. I'm still in disbelief. This is crazy. Going off the record at 1449.
Grief is a human experience, and the care we receive should be too. Evernorth Behavioral Health ensures all members have access to live, specialized support in person or virtually with a 100% follow-up commitment to make sure they get the help they need. There's always a person there, guiding your employees using data-driven risk monitoring tools so bottled-up feelings don't turn into further suffering. With Evernorth's wide range of behavioral solutions, care can be personalized, simple, and more accessible. Learn more at evernorth.com slash grief support. All There Is with Anderson Cooper is supported by Evernorth Health Services. Grief is a human experience. Shouldn't the care we receive feel human too? That's why Evernorth Behavioral Health ensures all members have access to live, specialized support anytime, in person or virtually, with a 100% follow-up commitment to make sure that they get the help that they need. So no matter what stage of grief your employees may be in, there's always a person ready to listen. Stressful times can lead many to bottle up complex feelings, especially at work. 59% of those suffering say nothing. This can have unexpected and serious mental and physical health implications. And with Evernorth's data-driven risk monitoring tools, they can help spot challenges early and step in to guide individuals to care before they undergo any more suffering. Each person's grief is as unique as they are which is why Evernorth offers a wide range of personalized behavioral solutions to meet the needs of every member that they serve. Learn more at evernorth.com slash grief support. Johnson & Johnson is facing around 40,000 allegations of people saying that its talc-based baby powder caused their cancer. This is not even an exhausted list. This is just an example of one case list. And so what they say is, look, this is a solution. We filed for bankruptcy through this Texas two-step maneuver. So in October of 2021, Johnson & Johnson executes what is known as the Texas two-step. Johnson & Johnson took its consumer products business and merged it with a newly created entity in Texas. It then immediately split that entity in two. One of the segments, which is now known as LTL Management LLC, was left holding all the liabilities of the talc lawsuits. LTL immediately filed for bankruptcy in North Carolina. Johnson & Johnson set aside something like $2 billion uh, for LTL to use to potentially pay out plaintiffs, in addition with access to some other funding. Plaintiffs' lawyers say that plaintiffs are likely going to have a smaller pot um, from which to be paid out from. There was this so-called Texas two-step. Was that just a way for Johnson & Johnson to avoid another multi-billion dollar payout? Absolutely not. So what the history of trying to resolve this litigation in the court system showed us is that it hasn't been fair to plaintiffs and it hasn't been fair to Johnson & Johnson. Over 10 years, with 40,000 cases pending, only two plaintiff verdicts have ever been paid. So I think the important takeaway from that was that we needed to find a way to resolve this litigation for all current claimants and all future claimants. After filing the bankruptcy, the first thing that was done by this new company was to go to the bankruptcy court and say, you need to stop all the cases against Johnson & Johnson. This prevents 
all of the existing cases from going forward. It also prevents any new cases from being filed against the company. There's a justice system for rich people, powerful corporations, and then there's a justice system for everybody else. When Johnson & Johnson filed this case in bankruptcy court, it really meant that thousands of victims had no place to turn. Do you consider it uh, an abuse of bankruptcy law, what Johnson & Johnson did? I definitely do. They've got to send a clear message, the courts do, to corporate America that you can't escape your liability by some phony bankruptcy filing. Even the American Bar Association refers to this as a controversial tactic. And if Johnson & Johnson can use the bankruptcy system to get out of these cases, then anyone can do it. The stakes couldn't be higher. Hi, Jerry. Hey, Luke. I just wanted to give you an update on where like, things Please. stand with the case. Yes, thank you. All right, the last time we spoke, we were talking about the Third Circuit. Yeah. So that's the court one step below uh, mm -hmm. the U.S. Supreme Court. Mm -hmm. And we have asked them to dismiss the bankruptcy on the grounds that it was not filed in good faith Mm -hmm. and that there is no valid uh, bankruptcy purpose. It's been five years since we filed my case. What if I yes. didn't make it, you know? Yeah, it's very frustrating to wait. Um, and all I could tell you is that we just don't know when the Third Circuit is going to issue its decision. I'll be, you know, sitting by my phone waiting. All right. Thank okay. you so much. Thank it was you. so good to see you. It's, it's just heartbreaking, okay? Um, and this is human life. Come on, what is the justice system here for? This is like mind-boggling to me and frustrating to no end. I'm infuriatingly just like, oh, we're looking for justice and you know it can be done and it's not being done. We cannot be a society that allows companies to throw up their hands when it's convenient and say, oh, I'm not gonna do that. You know, I don't get to stop my medical experience or my bills because that would be more convenient. I think we're gonna just start setting up, I mean, I wanna clear that table. I mean, this whole last year has just been a series of black holes and pitfalls. It started in spring and summer. I was starting to feel like I wanted to have kids. So I saw a doctor and she told me, yeah, we should do your follicle count. And the next day um, I got the results. It just said, yeah, your count is fine, but you have malignant masses. Yep, so that's leaving Sloan Kettering. And then this is it healing up. And then chemotherapy. I mean, you get a mesothelioma diagnosis, right? And you don't understand how would I have asbestos. Everywhere that I've gone, I've always had some Johnson & Johnson baby powder. I just never imagined that something that you would use on babies 
was unsafe. Oh my gosh! <sighs> On December 11th, we had a one-year survival celebration since my diagnosis. A fellow victim of mesothelioma, he said to me, a lot of people don't make it one year. Can I hug you too? So we should really celebrate. Good. I'm good. Thank you. I challenged people to guess what would be one word to describe this year. Somebody says advocated, optimistic, support, YOLO, <laughs> confusing. Um, none of those are my word. My one word that kind of fills both like the extreme highs and the extreme lows of this a diagnosis is unbelievable. It has just been, for me, an unbelievable year um, in every regard. It's unbelievable to me that I have been torn from my previous existence and just plopped into the abyss. I, I just, I blame Johnson and Johnson baby powder for my mesothelioma, for my terminal diagnosis, for everything that I've had to go through. Cancer has touched um, almost everyone's family, and it is an absolutely horrible disease that impacts not only women, but women's families. And certainly Johnson & Johnson sympathizes with that. But what I would say is that the science shows that their disease was caused by something else. The diseases that plaintiffs claim in this litigation that Johnson's baby powder causes are some of the most rare diseases, mesothelioma and ovarian cancer. But if Johnson's baby powder really had asbestos and really caused these diseases, because so many people used it, there would be an epidemic of these cancers. And thankfully, there is not. I can't understand. Like, I can't understand. I can't understand anybody. Like, I know it's a corporation, but there's real people that make those decisions. And, like, I can't understand anybody putting, like, profit over, like, human lives. I'm Ina Garten. Welcome to Be My Guest, the podcast. One of the best gifts you can give friends is spending time together. But what's even better than that? Cooking with them. On Be My Guest, the podcast, new friends and old stop by my barn for some conversation and great cooking. We talk about food, life, and everything in between. Listen to Be My Guest, the podcast with me, Ina Garten, and join us wherever you get your podcasts. No, 
That day I walked into the hospital, I felt like that was the day I started slipping into that black hole. I was one of the cancer gone. Part of the healing process was chemotherapy. I didn't know how dangerous and how harmful chemo can be to the human body. It takes everything bad that's out of your body, but it also took all the good stuff away too. All the things that make me, me. My daughter said, Mom, you're acting so unhappy all the time. I said, I can't help it. I'm on all these meds. I don't want to be unhappy. It was taking everything, the love that I have for my family, the love that I have for my children, love that I have for my grandchildren, it was just erasing that. And I felt like, why am I relying on this? So I remember my, my mom, I was talking to her, and um, I said, I, I don't want to do this chemo anymore. And I let my family bring me right back into all our ceremonies. My family, my children, um, were all enrolled in the Oneida tribe. One of the ceremonies that my family would have for me are sweat lodges. You're not allowed to walk in it. You have to crawl into it. You're connecting with our mother, the earth. Once they close the doors, that steam that comes from the rocks, that's considered the breath of the creator. Sing an opening prayer in there, giving thanks to everything, all of creation, and opening it up for the spirits to come in. The prayers and the ceremonies and everything that my family did to support me, they made it easier. I was back part of the environment, like it felt like a rebirth. I just started feeling slowly but surely I was coming back to life. So we're underway right now to interview Scott Faber with the Environmental Working Group. And they are a nonprofit advocacy group focused on environmental health. I know you've testified to Congress about this many times. Yes. So baby powder is considered a cosmetic. Yes. The FDA does not regulate cosmetics before they hit the shelves and consumers purchase them. That's right. FDA does not have pre-market review authority like they have for drugs. All of your drugs have to be reviewed by FDA for safety. 
none of your personal care products ever have to be reviewed by FDA for safety. So right now the onus is on the company to self-regulate in large part? That's right. This isn't a problem that's just limited to baby powder. I mean, it's easy to imagine that puff of baby powder and the likelihood that we might inhale it. But there are many other things we put on our bodies every day that we're just as likely to inhale. Think of uh, a foundation or a blush or an eyeshadow that you would put on your face. So if the powder I put on my face this morning contained talc, you would say it wasn't safe? So personally, I would say, certainly you took a risk that that product might be contaminated with asbestos. The question that gets raised a lot by plaintiffs is why there isn't a standard that is used across the industry with which to measure whether or not there's asbestos in talc. I want to welcome everyone today to FDA's public meeting on testing methods for asbestos and talc and cosmetic products. FDA, to their credit, pulled together all of these experts to figure out how do we combine the best of the testing methods that are in the marketplace so that we're doing the best possible job we can to look for fibers in talc. Good afternoon. I am the laboratory director at IATL, International Asbestos Testing Laboratories. There has been progress in trying to understand these issues, and yet there's still a lot of room for improvement to protect the public health and consumers. Here we've laid out some samples. The one on the back left is chrysotile, that's a regulated asbestos mineral, and the back on the right is talc, there is accreditation for asbestos in the built environment. There is accreditation for asbestos testing air, but there is no accreditation currently for asbestos and talc products. Do you think talc should be sold at all? You know, I, I think that with a warning and a really rigorous testing system, it makes sense to allow consumers to decide for themselves. In 2020, Johnson & Johnson said that it was going to discontinue sales of talc-based baby powder in North America. They cited lower demand for baby powder. They blamed misinformation about the safety of talc. The replacement, of course, for talc baby powder is cornstarch baby powder. Original and new baby powder pure cornstarch from Johnson & Johnson. People have a right to ask the question of, if you had another product, about which there were no safety concerns, that's very plentiful, that's cheap, why wouldn't you just sell that? We have always believed this is a safe product, and that's why we continue to sell it for over 125 years. It was a sad day in 2020 when we stopped selling this iconic product. We did it not because we have any concerns about the safety, but because of plaintiff lawyer advertising that has resulted in an avalanche of litigation. So if it was on the shelves today, would you use it? Would you feel comfortable using it? Absolutely. And have you ever used it? Absolutely. J&J shares, they're falling today on new developments in the company's talc bankruptcy case. This is a big decision by the uh, U.S. Appeals Court. A federal judge striking down J&J's Texas two-step. So this morning, I got the decision by email from the U.S. Court of Appeals for the Third Circuit that we've been waiting for. And uh, I think I pounded my, you know, hand on the desk and he said, yes. All right, let's call Gina. 
Gina, how you guys doing? Hey, Gina. Hey, Gina. The bankruptcy filing that Johnson & Johnson did is dismissed. They rejected it. Oh they did reject it. Awesome. Awesome. That's the best. Yes. Yes. I mean, I am so happy that the judges really made the right decision. Talk to you soon. Yep. Today, I'm feeling a sense of relief to get this decision where these judges so thoughtfully and so thoroughly said the bankruptcy code is there to protect certain companies, but only companies that really need it. Uh, if J&J could have gotten away with this, then really any wealthy company could avoid its liabilities by creating a subsidiary, putting that subsidiary into bankruptcy, and then just riding off in the sunset with all of its assets. The Third Circuit stopped short of putting an end to the Texas two-step. What do you say to that? Well, I'm disappointed they didn't go further. I'm glad they ruled as they did that what Johnson & Johnson was trying to do was unacceptable. But this is a corporate playbook that's going to be used over and over till we stop it. JJ announcing its subsidiary branch, LTL Management, is refiling for bankruptcy. J&J says more than 60,000 claimants have committed to support the proposed resolution. The Third Circuit overturned the first bankruptcy filing. Why try it a second time? Because resolving this litigation is important to us and should be important to women throughout the country. DOJ and its objection to this latest bankruptcy filing, it used some pretty strong words. For nearly 18 months, tens of thousands of cancer victims have been barred from pursuing their rights. To subject these victims to any additional delay would be unconscionable. What do you say to that? For the last 10 years, we have seen nothing but delay. We have seen almost no cases get to trial. So I hope that if DOJ's focus is on compensating people, they allow us to get this plan before the people that we are proposing compensating with $9 billion. So how much money will each claimant get? It's a great question, and it's something that will be resolved as we get closer to finalizing the plan. There will be negotiations based on their individual disease and age and risk factors. If Johnson & Johnson loses on the second bankruptcy filing, will it just continue to go down this route? So I don't want to get ahead of ourselves. Our singular focus right now is getting this plan finalized. And what will never change is our resolve to find a way to reach finality in this litigation that has really not served anybody. Tea, everyone? Yes, please. Oh my God, this is awesome. All right, you're sitting here. Let's go. Nom, nom, I know. Every six months, I go into a CT scan, um, you know, just like fingers crossed. So any news from Turkey? So you mentioned the scare. Yeah, I, <laughs> I got this CT done, right? My routine CT. But this time, it was crazy scary. And they said there's a cyst, and there's like, um, um, we don't know. It's in the left inguinal, where the cancer started. 
So I was like, what do you mean? And they said, um, we don't know if it's cancer or not. I booked a manual um, examination and they assured me that it's not cancer. It's oh like they were sure that it was hernia is back, but I was just planning my funeral. And I was like, what's mom is gonna do? And you know, all that kind of stuff, so. When you go through this kind of an experience to become a different person forever, it's not easy, not at all. But I still, you know, I, I, I have hope. Going through the journey that I have went through, I feel that I'm in a good spot with my family. I'm in a good spot with my children, my grandchildren, my friends. I'm in remission. But I think that it's overwhelming the number of women. While they're waiting for Johnson & Johnson to make things right, they're dying. I don't know if I'm gonna be alive next year. I don't, I, pff, yeah. I'm doing the best that I can every day. And I am loving what is there to love and the people that are there for me. And I refuse to be afraid. You can't bring back a life but you can show some kind of compassion that you care what you've done. For me, I'm gonna be honest with you, I wanna take that burden that they placed on me and hand it right back to them. That's yours to carry. As a result of the second bankruptcy filing, almost all of the trials against Johnson & Johnson are once again on hold. The women you met in this hour are among thousands of plaintiffs who oppose Johnson & Johnson's use of the bankruptcy court to settle these lawsuits. Join us next week as we travel to San Francisco, which has been plagued with issues of crime and drugs. What happened to San Francisco? Find out next Sunday. I'm Dr. Sanjay Gupta, host of the Chasing Life podcast. In honor of our 10th season, we want to hear from you. Leave us a message at 470-396-0832 and tell us how you chase life. It could be used on an upcoming episode.